Hey everyone, and welcome to Be The Leader You Deserve podcast, where my mission is to inspire you to ask yourself, are you the leader you deserve? Hi, I'm Jill Handley. So excited to be here with you today. This is season seven, episode 23, Building Capacity with Breakthrough Coaching. So today I'm joined by Verl Gilbert, the principal of Hahn Intermediate School, located in Davison, Michigan, where Verl was named the 2018 MIMSPA Principal of the Year. Now, in addition to leading his own school, he stays very busy because he's also the MIMSPA Region 10 President and um, he's also the Media and Tech Chair for the MIMSPA Executive Board. And in his spare time, he still has time to engage with leaders from across the country through a variety of ed chats. So, wow. Welcome, Beryl. Well, thank you for having me on, Jill. I'm super excited um, to share uh, uh, what we do here at Han and, and the great things that happen in Michigan with MEMSPA. Yeah, I'm really excited to hear about it. So as we get started, uh, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit more about yourself and the school that you lead? Sure. Well, I uh, like... Uh, Jill has mentioned, I am the principal at Han Intermediate in Davison, Michigan. We're about 15 miles east of uh, Flint, Michigan. Um, we are around 850, we're a little low this year, usually around 900 kids. Um, we're fifth and sixth grade building only. Uh, we operate on two-person teams. Um, I have an amazing staff. Uh, I have an amazing assistant principal. We just hired uh, Adina students. Um, that uh, I'm very proud to bring aboard. Our, our former dean of students went on to uh, be an assistant principal at our high schools at um, Alt-Ed. Um, so we try and grow leaders here at our building. Um, MEMSPA is uh, something that uh, I'm very passionate about, uh, something that I enjoy. It's the uh, Michigan Elementary and Middle School Principals Association for uh, those that just have letters flowing around out there. Uh, I'm the ex- uh, on the executive board as the media and tech chair. Um, and along with uh, a team of uh, six other uh, principals in the state, we run our uh, ed chat, uh, MEMSPA chat, uh, every Thursday at 8 p.m. Um, we have had a variety of, of guests uh, over the past two years. I'm going to give a shout out to Mike Domagowski, kind of the founder of uh, Memspa Chat, who who started this up uh, around around eight years ago, and uh, he he did it all by himself, and and uh, I'm lucky to have a team to to work on that with. Uh, I enjoy being part of Memspa and uh, just the uh, connections uh, and the networking that I have, uh, the collegiality that goes on within that organization is something that I'm really proud to be a part of. So let's talk about this for a second, real for listeners who might be saying, hmm. Ed chat on a Thursday night. What are you talking about? Tell us a little bit more about what that involves. Well, on Twitter, uh, there are various Ed chats. So there's a there are hashtags you'll find on Twitter. Uh, for example, hashtag Memspa chat. If you type that into to Twitter, uh, you'll see all of the posts that occur during and after because uh, we have people that tag uh, their their tweets um, using the uh, Memspa chat uh, hashtag. Um, but from 8 to about 8.30 every Thursday, uh, we have a moderator, a guest moderator. Sometimes that's local uh, Michigan principals um, and educational leaders, and sometimes it's national um, uh, ed leaders. Uh, we just recently had um, uh, Larry, uh, Larry Drake is coming up here from New York, from Sandy Chat. Uh, and then we also had um, 
previous uh, people, uh, such as Don Harris uh, from uh, Ed, uh, a lead up uh, chat. So they will post four questions throughout that half hour. And then everybody that's on uh, Twitter that's following the hashtag Memspa chat will then post responses back to those questions uh, that they uh, that they post. Uh, we've decided that uh, over the course of this next school year, uh, we're going to pick a, uh, a monthly theme. And this uh, first month of September is building culture in our uh, schools. And so it's been great to great to kick the school year off with uh, some fantastic um, moderators. Our first one, uh, Jay Billy, uh, kicked us off uh, as well. So again, I want to give a shout out to to those folks that helped us out. And uh, if you haven't joined, um, we would we would love for you to try Memspa Chat. There's a whole bunch of other ones out there that I I, I pop on from time to time. Um, but it's a great way to connect. It's a great way to lead. Uh, Todd Whitaker, uh, the, the famous. Uh, Todd Whitaker says that uh, Twitter is where um, great people go to find other great people. So if, uh, if there are people you know, that's there. that's where I found Juvenile. Not gonna lie. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Uh, but but you know, I I do believe that though because you know we talk about a lot that this can be a very lonely profession. Yep. Um, and so it's it's always nice to connect with like-minded people in your district. Uh, but for some people, the district, whether it's a small district or a large district, it's nice to connect across the state. But it's, to your point, it's also nice to connect across the nation just to kind of get pers gain perspective and to know hey i'm not the only one who has this concern or oh what a great idea so i agree like it has it has been one of my favorite things is just connecting with people uh via social media absolutely so in your tenure clearly all that you do girl you've got so much to be proud of but I'm going to ask you to nail down one thing that in your time as a leader, as a building leader, that you say, hmm, this is it. This is the one thing I feel the most proud of. Well, I, I'll, I'll say it's my staff um, and the, uh, you know, what we've, what we've done to be able to grow uh, great teachers um, and great leaders here at our staff. Um, you know, we've had a number of people who have gone on to the principalship, have gone on to be uh, administrators from that. So, you know, I'm super excited about that. Um, we, I guess if I was to name it down to like, like one program or one like kind of defining moment, moment of my uh, principalship, it would probably when we, when we created wind time, uh, my second year in, this is my eighth year. So my second year in, we had really poor uh, MSTEP scores, which is our Michigan uh, standardized test. And so we really looked at how could we how could we give our kids that what we now call tier one uh, mm -hmm. instruction, but also fill the gaps and enhance their learning with uh, tier two instruction. And that's what we were able to do with win time, with win standing for what I need. Uh, our teachers really rallied around that fact and found ways to um, ways to improve. Uh, student learning and student engagement during that win time. And of course, or we maybe not, of course, but it, it did work out to where we, we saw improved scores uh, based on the collective efficacy of our staff uh, putting in the work um, and, and just, just getting down to business and caring about kids. Our district uh, mission is uh, where kids come first and uh -huh. futures begin. And so that's really what, what kind of um, 
kind of focused our work along that score. What, what do we need to do to put kids first in our curriculum and with making connections and relationships with our kids? Yeah, you know, you mentioned a couple of things. Win time. I know when I first uh, trained with Rick and Becky DeFore, uh, you know, that was something that we we did. We, we still do that. But that and then you mentioned, you know, I'm thinking like Hattie's work with collective efficacy. It sounds so cliche, but it's like, they really work. Do you know? I mean, that that, right. that that sounds crazy, but you know, sometimes when it feels like, um, you know, education comes up like that, that, that pendulum, it's back and forth and people are like, yeah, this will go away soon, but it's nice to where you engage in research-based stuff and mm -hmm. it really works. And again, I know that sounds very cliche, but when, you know, sometimes you're having, you know, to get your staff to buy in, it really is rewarding when, especially the very first year of doing it, you get some gains, right? Yeah, we we uh, we think seem to, we like to think of ourselves as one of the top ones in our county. And uh, when the first scores came out, we were middle of the pack. And so to see us now be at the top one or top two in all four subject areas, areas uh, sixth grade and fifth grade reading, and then fifth grade and sixth grade math, um, you know, that's, it's kind of rewarding. And we've had a number of uh, staff turnover with, again, people moving on to leadership roles and uh, retirements and, and whatnot. And so it's good to see the sustainability, even through COVID, the last two years of COVID have kind of taken its toll on the ability for us to do uh, that work in wind time. So it's, it's been really good to get back into business uh, this year with it. Well, congratulations for those great scores. That's awesome. Thank you. So you mentioned, because I know, you know, one of the things you always read is great leaders grow more great leaders. Um, but, you know, at the same time, that creates kind of a revolving door. And so how do you go about, because you mentioned generating and, and creating sustainability with the great systems that you have in place. But when you're growing leaders at the same time, how do you balance those two things with promoting people on to, to be at their next destination while at the same time maintaining sustainability in your building? Well, I think it, I mean, I think it comes down to systems. I'm a big proponent of breakthrough coaching, um, which is a program uh, training that, that I've done. It really makes the executive, uh, the principal look at their role a little bit differently. We all get into these roles because we're doers. Uh, you know, when we're teachers, who wants to be on the school improvement team? You know, our hands are usually the first one up. <laughs> oh, we got a project going. Yep. I'm in there. I'm doing that. Who wants to do this? We're always kind of trying to do that. When we get into administrative roles, at least the first couple of years for me, I found that, I mean, I was, I think we may talk a little bit later about burnout. I mean, I was starting to burn myself out because I was constantly doing, doing, doing. Uh -huh. And I've got a staff of almost 47 uh, teachers uh, mm -hmm. along with other support staff. If I'm the only one doing along with discipline, along with evaluations, along with that, number one, I'm going to burn myself out. And again, to look at the perspective a little bit differently, I'm not building capacity within my staff. And so that's really what I've tried to do is kind of look at my role a little bit, a little differently. There are certain things that I, as the principal, need to do. There's certain things that my assistant principal needs to do, my dean needs to do, my secretaries need to do. But there's and there's certain things that teachers need to do. We all, well, all our roles are important, and so building that capacity for those aspiring leaders, for those uh, uh, folks that are, are school improvement chairs and whatnot can only help to build that sustainability. So when your dean of students leaves uh, from, you know, or, you know, becomes the dean of students from a teacher like uh, Jesse Zatkowski did, uh, who is, uh, was a sixth grade teacher, and then you just find, an, you, you build another capacity to get him to build 
some, for somebody else to mm -hmm. step into his role uh, by providing those opportunities, um, such as um, you know being on interview committees, uh, sitting in on uh, different uh, discipline, um, student discipline uh, issues, uh, so that when the time comes, you have a pool of really competent and cap capable um, educators to step in place. Yeah, for sure. And I know um, you mentioned your first couple of years. That was something that I'm going to take a, a leap and say that that was kind of a fail forward. And I think that's probably what a lot of principals do. I've, I've talked with a lot of people and that's that's what been a common theme is like those first few years. Yep. One of the things we had to figure out was not only can I not do it alone, <laughs> I shouldn't even try. Uh, and, and I think that, um, you know, those are those first few formidable years of I think any career, but particularly leadership I think we learn a whole lot by of what not to do right. and then we turn that around so what are a few other things that you learned along the way that you think are a real benefit for other leaders to hear well I mean I, I think just to go back on that point there I mean my I again trying to pr get my perspective my job is to make and manage requests of others it was really difficult for me and I think it is for many of our uh, principals to ask somebody else to do something mm -hmm. like I wouldn't do anything somebody else, you know, I wouldn't ask somebody else to do. Well, you have to ask that person to do it too. Um, there are things that I have to do, such as, you know, sub in classes and cover this and cover that. That's part of the job. But if I'm only doing that, I'm not getting other work done. So mm -hmm. uh, one of the other things that I, I, I look back and, you know, think of like, all right, what are some things that um, I, I wish they would have taught us or wish I would have would have been part of um, like leadership prep? or yep. uh, your courses coming through, uh, you know, ed leadership and masters, and I'm my ed specialist, um, is that I think, I think one of the things that they don't necessarily, you know, give you good training on, or maybe we should be more intentional about, is having those difficult conversations. I think that's one of the things when I talk to aspiring principals, is that they, they just haven't had any experience with that. Mm -hmm. And so how do we then help, again, build that capacity to have I've heard it called different things, crucial conversations, difficult conversations, hard conversations. Um, how do we build that capacity with our, our ed leaders? Um, that's, that's one of the things. Um, and I think sometimes we have to learn when it is we have those conversations and when we should just have a, have a meeting without having a meeting. Uh, <laughs> I'm a big baseball fan, as you, as you may know. And so there's a guy by the name of Tony LaRusso who carries a a fungal bat. He never swings the fungal bat at batting practice. He walks around and stands on it and talks to his players. So having that meeting without, without having a meeting. Uh, one of the other things I think we as educators don't have that we need uh, a little more help with um, is that um, going through investigations. Uh, as a teacher, we, we, don't, we don't do that, you know. Um, so I, you know, I've taken the read interview techniques. Uh, there's two types of, two types of people in my family. There's cops and then there's teachers. My mom and I are on the teacher side and my brother and sister and father are on the cop side. So many times around the, around the dinner table, we would talk about, uh, interviewing, uh, people and what to look for and, and questions to ask and how to follow up. And so, um, I had a little bit of background there. And then going through the training even more, but I don't think that's something that we that we do with our incoming uh, aspiring principals. So, and then also, like I said, that breakthrough coaching. What's your role? How do you use that secretary? You know, um, and how do, how do you you know bring out their their greatness? 
um, and allow them to bring your greatness out uh, into the work that you do. Yeah, you just said something that that was such a pivotal moment for me in my own leadership was when I finally figured out what my role as the principal was. Yep. And and that probably sounds like a dumb thing. Like when I say it out loud, sometimes it sounds kind of stupid. Uh, but but honestly, like it's almost like you get the keys. You've had this theory training. And then you just kind of figure it out as you go. And, you know, so often I think a mistake I can speak for myself that I made that I wish I had known differently was really what is the role of the principal? And you kind of named that earlier. You know, yes, we can do all those things. Like you said, seven in a classroom. And sometimes that's warranted, you know, work with small groups, model lessons. And I think those are all great things. But at the end of the day, that's not our job anymore. And that was, you know, that was kind of sad at the same time because all things instruction, I love so much. But it's like my job is everything now is to kind of oversee and empower and support. And that becomes really tricky, right? Right. When when you go into it and, and realize that no longer... You know, you're, do you get to do all what I would consider to be the great fun stuff of being a teacher or being a teacher leader? Now you're just kind of, I wrote down what you said. You said, uh, make and manage requests. Yep. And you're exactly right. And then to your point, the next step is, okay, now that I've got my job figured out, how do I figure out what everybody else is supposed to be doing and base it on their strengths? Yep. And then learn how to delegate. So, yeah, you nailed all the things. <laughs> well, and I think, you know, I mean, I think, you know, when we look at, you know, if we if we don't make and manage requests and we're constantly doing, then, I mean, I, I love being in classes. And that was mm-hmm. one of the things that I really, uh, um, really struggled with the first month of last year uh, because of uh, mask mandates. I mean, mm-hmm. I had calls from both sides and I, you know, I mean, that was the first four weeks was just, you know, listening to. To both sides and talking and I understood both sides but really what I wanted to be doing is what I'm doing this year which is I mean there's days that I have that are work days where I'm in my office plugging away but then there's days where I, I get to go out and watch amazing educators yeah. and great kids teach and learn and that's that's why I got into this that's why that's why I love this you know this job and this profession so if we're if we're not making and managing those requests we don't get the opportunity uh, to see that greatness because we're stuck in our office. We're here. I'm a workaholic. I am. I'm just <laughs> admit it. And so if we're not able to, to really make and manage those requests and build capacity with others to do that, then you we're, we're stuck in our office. No, you're exactly right. And honestly, it feels like year after year, there's more compliance based work to do. And so I, I sometimes feel like, if I allowed it, I think I could be stuck in my office 24 hours a day, but that's not what's impacting change. And, you know, I know we're going to talk probably a little bit about burnout in a moment, but man, you want to talk about what will burn you out faster than anything is being away from great kids and great teachers and great families. Cause to your point, that's why we went into this, right? Not to push around papers or to fill out documents or, you know, turn in somebody's Google form. Right. In your, own, in your own families, too. Right. Like, I mean, that was, you know, I've got a 17 year old son that just turned 17 here on the 14th and a 10 year old. And then my wife uh, as well, who's a, a special education teacher. Mm-hmm. And so if we're, you know, I, I get stuck in that, too, yeah. where, you know, if we're constantly doing, you know, everything else, then we have to do our work after school. What we say, you know, what we say, yes, yes to one thing, we're saying no to another thing. If we're constantly saying yes to paperwork after school. We're saying no to that karate, no to that baseball, no to that other things after for our family. 
No, you are so right. Now, you mentioned a little bit about last year and how tough it was with masks and no masks and just, you know, coming back from, from you know, being in a pandemic. And so certainly I know that that was a challenge for all of us. But when you think about, you know, your toughest challenge as your time as a leader, would you say that was it? Or do you have something else that comes to mind? No, I mean, I think the last you know, two and a half, almost three years or two and a half years, they've been tough. Um, and because of the restrictions, because of the unknown, um, you know, because because of our kids, we are um, where, I, where I live at. We're right next to Lapeer, is where was where I live. Davison's right next to Lapeer, and then just what uh, Oxford borders Lapeer. So as you may remember, Oxford had a school shooting last year, and that was I mean that was tough. That was really tough because it hit so close to home, and we were you know, we had such great uh, anticipation about coming out of the pandemic and about getting back to business. And, uh, you know, we just, we just weren't ready for that in our area. And then you throw on the, the school shooting at Oxford. And uh, I had talked a little bit about that wind time. Um, and we, you know, our teachers, our teachers are dedicated. They're amazing people. They want what's best for kids. Sometimes, I, at least last year, I felt like I really had to give them permission to do that SEL work because that's what our kids needed at that time for that 40 minutes for that time here at school. Um, the, the academics would come later, but they needed to feel safe, secure. Um, they needed to feel connected with each other. They needed to feel uh, connected with their teachers. Um, that's really what they needed. So that, that was, that was pretty tough um, to have happen so close and for it to affect our, our, our families as well as our kids and our teachers. Gosh, I bet that, that um, you know, that's never easy when you see it on the news, but when it's in cl such close proximity to you, that had to be kind of a heightened awareness of, because I'm sure that brought about a lot of other questions, because I know when we see it on the news and it's, you know, six states over, mm -hmm. uh, you know, suddenly everyone wants to know, how are you increasing security? How are you keeping our kids safe? Yep. So I can't imagine what that must have been like gosh, within, you know, driving distance. Right. And, and again, that's where I really tried to get back to our staff. I mean, we, we have a very safe school. We have, uh, you know, security and locked doors and fobs and stuff like that. But what we found immediately after was we found a huge increase in students making threats, whether it be, um, you know, uh, just something that they were trying to joke around about or that there were some more serious issues there. Um, but what I tried to reinforce back to our staff and that they really picked up on was we have all the external stuff kind of covered. We have to do the work with our students in our classroom to connect them. Kids that are connected to their class are less likely to bully each other. They're less likely to have absence, uh, absenteeism, and they're less likely to make threats uh, at school. Um, so how do we how do we do the work to make them feel connected to each other? And to Absolutely. And, you know, you mentioned giving them permission. And again, there's so many things that we talk about that I think, particularly for new leaders, uh, that that is so important for them to hear is that teachers, you know, feel that crux to get to get all the content in, particularly, you know, the testing years. Right. Um, so it sounds silly sometimes to say that to give permission for that. when We all know it's so needed. But I think that, you know, it's important for leaders to hear that, that sometimes as leaders, we have to be explicit 
mm-hmm. with that permission mm-hmm. from SEL because we because we know you know we know how important it is, but teachers they just feel that pressure to teach content, yeah, right. academic content, right? So right. I'm so glad that you mentioned that. Now, another thing, bro, you talked about being a workaholic, and I think that's a theme of lots of <laughs> lots of leaders. Uh, so the next question may be a little bit tougher. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, we know that teacher burnout is at all time high, but I all, you know, I've been talking with a lot of people lately and said, you know, I haven't read this burnout but my suspicion is it can't be far behind teacher burnout to be honest with you right um, that and I think that's because you know we we know just how fragile the teaching staff is and so we, we spend our time pouring and pouring and pouring into them and creating systems that make them feel seen and heard and supported um, but oftentimes it's like who pours into the principal right well right. we kind of and that's where we have to start setting those boundaries and pouring into ourselves so being a self-proclaimed workaholic how do you do that well, I think I think that you know I mean twofold um, maybe threefold here but at least twofold like I think that's where realizing you know what my what my job is and it may sound silly you may be right it does may sound silly for you to say it but i think you have to say it like i'm a workaholic i need i know what my job is um but when i really start to you know like all right how do i do this what's my what's my job my job is to make and manage requests of others and i think of it as how am i going to make the best requests to put kids first you know mm-hmm. if, if what we if what drives us is putting the kid first then it's really tough to argue with with that. Um, the other piece is, um, I would say, to help at least administrative burnout for me, and at least for some of the people in my area, is to stay connected, to, to become, uh, you know, connected with our state uh, organization. For us, it's MEMSPA. You know, we have Region Ten meetings where we meet up and have. Uh, beverages. Uh, our executive director, Paul Liebenau, will travel around the state. I think he put like 80,000 miles or 40,000 miles on a, on a vehicle a year just because he's constantly traveling around Michigan to meet with principals to, to fill their bucket, to listen to their stories. And I think, again, like I said, within our region, I mean, we have five counties. I think that's what's been most beneficial for me and to hear from other people is to, is to stay connected. How how can we get people from our principal to be part of our organization, to go to our annual conference, to go to our summer leadership, to connect with like-minded people? Um, because uh, you had mentioned a little bit, like we're kind of on an island, you know, many times uh, as an administrator. I'm blessed to have an assistant and a dean, and my building's connected by a hallway to three other administrators at the seventh and eighth grade. But some people, it's them. They they are the administrative staff in that building and right. so they don't get a chance to do that so how do we how do we find ways like our organization like twitter um, like meetups uh, to help you know connect people uh, so that they don't feel so isolated um, and to stay within the profession we need great leaders we need to build great leaders we need to our, our teachers and students need great leaders and so how do we how do we help uh, you know kind of pay it forward uh, for, uh, for our students. Yeah. That's a great story about your, you said it was the president of your, of MEMS. Yeah. Our executive director. Yeah. That's, that's, incredible. That, that's, that's incredible. He's amazing. What, um, 
how rewarding on both sides. Like it has to be bucket filling for him as well. But then just to think about, um, you know, what that says about his commitment to the leaders in your state, I think is just absolutely incredible. So kudos for that. He gives the cell phone out to everybody and says, call me. And when he means it, Oh, that's awesome. and, we, and we, like I said, we do, you know, I mean, uh, there's, uh, I'd love to say there's no better man in Michigan. I know there's a lot of great ones, but he's, he's right up there. That's wonderful. You know, taking care of the people who take care of the people, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's great that you have that. So now clearly Verl, with you being connected on so many different levels, you have lots of people that you'd want to shout out or say, we need to be connected with, but I'm going to ask you to narrow it down to three or four people or, or organizations, or, you know, you've already given, you know, several plugs for MIMS. So, so I'm going to ask you to stretch a little bit further than that one, if that was going to be one of your three or four, but you've said it just so, so great. Um, if we're, if you're not connected, then that is a missing piece. I feel in this profession is that you've got to get out and do that. So who are three or four people that you feel like if people are not connected with these people, they need to be. Yeah. I'll go with, I'll go with Paul Liebenau, uh, at P A U L I A B E N O W. He's our executive director of MEMSPA. I believe he leads the executive directors group for uh, the for NASP for the nation. Um, he's like I said, he's amazing. He's a great follow on Twitter. Um, I'd also say um, when we talk about that breakthrough coach, I guess so some people may not may not uh, connect him with what Malachi Pancoast um, is another one uh, that I would say follow um, if you're looking to find out what your role is and what the role of your secretaries are. Um, I would say that. Um, and I'm going to throw a shout out to um, my friend from hashtag uh, VAESP, the Virginia uh, Association of Elementary School Principals chat. Um, uh, my good friend, uh, let me scan down to him. Um, uh, Andrew uh, Buckite, uh, A-N-D. R E W B U C H H E I T. Uh, another great follow. Uh, another great chat. Uh, one that I try and partake in on a on an often often basis. Um, so, and I'll th- I'll throw in J Billy too at J A Y B I L L Y two um, at uh, on Twitter. So a couple great follows. Um, again, there's a lot of other great people out there. I'm probably probably missing, but. Um, if you're, if you're not following yeah. folks, give them a try. Yeah, there are so many great ones. I know asking you to narrow it down is a difficult one because, <laughs> uh, but you know, it really is just great. And for, if people, you know, haven't engaged in their, in their first, uh, you know, ed chat, then, then I would, I would invite them to, you know, check you out on, if you said it's Thursday nights at eight, is that right? Thursday nights at 8 PM. You can always chime in and tell us you're lurking and you can just read the great, uh, <laughs> the great learning that other people are are doing. And when, once you feel comfortable, share uh, or like and retweet some of the things you see. Um, but, uh, you know, yeah, 8 p.m. Thursdays, hashtag Memspa chat. Um, it's half an hour, 8 to 8.30 Eastern Standard Time. And uh, again, great, great way to learn, a great way for great people to connect with other great people. Well, and I think, you know, for some listeners, they might be like, are you kidding me? Eight o'clock on a Thursday night. But I think that is a lot like going to a conference, um, you know, or, or anything like that it kind of gives back. It kind of yep. rejuvenates you. So it's, it's one of those things. It's not like having like 
a board meeting on, you know, or, right. <laughs> or a faculty meeting on, right. you know, eight o'clock. It really is that way, um, you know, and some people look at that funny, like, but you're still working. Yeah, but it's it's kind of refilling my cup. And so that's that's really a great way to think about it. Now, Verla, you talked about being a self-proclaimed workaholic, but I'm going to ask you my final question. Yep. And you can't use that word. Uh, <laughs> but what, what are three words that other people who know you would use to describe you? Um, I would say energetic, um, uh, positive, funny. Those are probably the three that I, <laughs> I would do. Um, maybe I could sneak a fourth one in there. Selfie. I love taking selfies with people. <laughs> and that, I'm, I'm that dad at, uh, at the, uh, birthday party that's running around taking pictures. Cause I think that there's just so many amazing things that we do in schools that people may not know about. And uh, so I try and do that. So, yeah. You know, and that's, that's so important too, because I know, you know, that kind of lends itself into another piece with social media, you know, telling your own school's narrative. Cause if you don't, someone else will. Yep. Yeah. People. Yep. So allowing people in, you know, when they can't make it in just to see all the greatness, because to your point, there's so much greatness that goes on in every building every day. Um, taking time to share that. I know for me, it not only, gosh, fills my bucket to see the greatness, but, you know, that's also paying homage to the great teachers that you're capturing yeah. their stuff and then sharing that out as well. So yeah. so thanks for that reminder as well. Yeah. All right, well, you shared a lot of great stuff today. So if, if people want to follow up with you after listening today, uh, what's the best way to reach you? Uh, they can reach me at uh, vgilbert at davisonschools.org. Uh, they can also follow me on Twitter at vgilbert3. Um, you can also follow the hashtag MEMSPA chat. I'll be, I'll be on there. Um, but uh, I would love for uh, educational leaders from around the, the country to, to, to reach out, to connect. Um, again, I love hearing other people's stories and love to, love to share our story here in Michigan and, and in Davison. Yeah, well, I tell everybody I've talked to because so many people I've uh, either run into or saw something from the NAESP conference this last year. Yep. I'm like, you know what? I'm looking every single one of you all up and you, you mentioned selfie. Like I am going to blow it up with selfies from everybody who's been on this season. And I can't wait to see you in person as well yeah. next at next year's conference. Maryland, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. So I'm excited. Well, well, you have a wonderful school year and thanks so much for joining me today. Jill, thank you for having me on. I appreciate this. has uh, been a great honor for me. And, and like I said, I, I've appreciate, appreciated talking with you and, and hope to hope to connect with others. For sure. Okay. Take care. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode, Building Capacity with Breakthrough Coaching, please share it with your friends by using the social media buttons that you see at the bottom of the post. Now, friends, if this is your first episode, oh, you are in for a treat. You will definitely want to go back and listen to all the other guest episodes from season seven and then start to work your way backwards. And while you're doing all of that, you may as well go ahead and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Um, in fact, let's just do that right now so you don't miss any of our updates. 
And friends, if we are connected on Twitter and LinkedIn, let's change that status. We know that we are one another's best resources. And finally, if you haven't done so, please take a moment to leave an honest rating and review on Apple Podcast. It really does help me out when it comes to the ranking of the show, and I make it a point to read every single one of the reviews that I get. All right, friends, have a super fantastic week. And don't forget to ask yourself, am I the leader I deserve? And what am I doing about it?